Well, episode 83 has certainly been a journey. In fact, uh, this one took quite a long time to edit because we recorded remotely and separately because we're practicing social distancing, of course. And as a result of that, this particular edit took some time to toss together. And, and unfortunately, the Animal Crossing bit did not make the cut. And that is my fault. This is Alex Austin of Rona Geek Official Podcast. And uh, I was apparently recording off of the Surface mic that we record on uh, versus the actual mic for about the first 19 minutes of our previous recording so unfortunately the animal crossing bit did not quite make it so you'll kind of catch the tail end of that uh, conversation at the beginning of this episode and then we go right into star wars news and we also cover off a new comic from writer ryan little called the axeman and it's actually turned out to be a pretty cool comic i'm fully enjoying the first couple issues that i got to read and, and we have a little discussion about that as well so it's actually been a lot of fun to record this episode along with the playing and watching bit and i think you'll still find some entertainment value here and also make sure to check out our youtube channel i have started to get up some episodes of what i call coming to the west series which is a little bit of a retrospective into classic gaming so if you're into retro gaming at all make sure to check out our very first episode which is all about when final fantasy 7 came over to the west the cultural impact it had and the kind of game it was around the time it came out it was a massive success for its day and and i I think honestly it's a very entertaining piece and i think you'll learn a little bit too the next episode coming up is based on the little known ps2 title called tulip and it is bizarre so i'm having a lot of fun making that episode right now so make sure to check out our youtube channel and subscribe on there and thank you so much for listening and thank you for your patience while we work through this new content Yeah, my audio is back. Okay, cool. And uh, I, f- I feel better about this now. <laughs> nice. Now that I know exactly what the issue was. Uh, so apparently I was recording off of the mic on the Surface, which I didn't realize at first. And then so I've just switched it. And now I'm recording off uh, the actual mic, the regular mic, which is uh, going to be much better audio quality, at least from my end. So, which I'm glad to oblige. <laughs> no. So anyway, sorry, Adam, I cut you off before you were talking about I the series Rob of tasks that this game usually results in. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's nothing to talk about. I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is, like, I get that that is kind of what the game's about, but I feel like if you're going to make the game about that, there's certain quality of life things you should probably maintain that I don't feel like the game really does. I mean, ultimately, if you like Animal Crossing, you're going to like the game. I don't think there's any doubt in that. Ultimately, though, it's like... I don't think that it should rest on the excuse of, yeah, but it's supposed to be a chill game. There are quality of life things that should just be done at this point for this series. And the fact that they go out of their way to not do that is, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. There's a bit of, we get it, this is an Animal Crossing game, and you know everyone liked the GameCube game, but we're not asking for exactly the GameCube game. We're asking for that in the new age. Yeah, just... yeah, I can see the quality of life stuff. Uh, one, of, one of my main gripes with the game would definitely be the, I don't know, sort of a ring or a wheel that you choose your tools off of. It, it's fairly clunky, uh, and I'm constantly, accidentally, like, fumbling the control and, like, taking preferred tools off of the off of the wheel. Uh, and it's a bit confusing for me. So I, I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm really fumbling that control a little bit. And uh, and then, like you were saying earlier, having to switch back and forth between the tools does tend to become a little bit tedious, particularly when you're trying to get around using, you know, say like the pole vault and the ladder 
in in alternating fashion. It just it does become a bit tedious to kind of keep switching back and forth between them. So no, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I guess we can kind of move on from the Animal Crossing topic then. I, I'll say, you know, for my part, uh, it's definitely living up to the hype for me. I'm really digging it. Uh, I think uh, I think this is probably the right title for me right now, and it's been nice to kind of slow down, especially with everything going on in the world, and just kind of take some solace in, in this very simple uh, style game and, and really take my time with it. Uh, some of the some of the things do get to be a little bit tedious in any game that's about like collection and crafting, uh, but I think this game definitely balances it out really well with some of the social aspects, with the online aspects, which are actually pretty solid. I'm actually digging the online, getting to visit people's islands and, and kind of chat with them a little bit. Uh, I have one friend, I, I gave him a shout when I visited him in islands, when I visited his island, so we were able to talk about the experience the whole time. It was really fun, and that's kind of some of the first online gaming I've done in quite some time. Uh, personally nice so it's really fun to kind of get back into that and uh and yeah man animal crossing is definitely a solid title i would say it's it's uh one of the better nintendo titles to come out on the switch in a very long time so if you're at all an animal crossing fan or you haven't played since the original or you haven't played any in the last seven years because that's how long it's been since the last one came out to definitely uh pick up new horizons i think you won't be disappointed so anyway should we move on to the news items sure yeah i think mando's up Mando, so spoiler warning here. Spoiler warning, potential spoiler warning. Uh, now, Rob, you said that everybody in the know already knows about yeah. it. Uh, so I'll just say spoiler warning here for anybody not in the know or if you want to go into Mando Season 2 completely blind. It's not going to be spoiled here for you because you're going to be tuning out now and time jumping to the next point, <laughs> the next topic uh, on the list here. So anyway, the big news here, of course, is that uh, some bombshell Mando news that uh, And this is kind of something the fans have lobbied for for a long time, but Rosario Dawson is allegedly, uh, I think uh, Screen Rant or Slash Film or one of the two posted uh, the story initially, but apparently Rosario Dawson is going to play Ahsoka Tano live action in Mandalorian yeah. Season 2, which is really exciting. Was she ever viewed live action in any of the movies, even for like a quick little snippet or something? Never. I don't believe so. Never. No. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is... Th- this is unprecedented in the Star Wars universe. You know, she's kind of a beloved character, so it makes sense. And I think that actress is fantastic. So I, I can't really think of someone better off the top of my head. I'm sure there could be someone that could do equally good job, but I think it's a solid choice. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, it's fun to see the mock-ups people have done. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, it's kind of funny because when I was talking to somebody about this uh, a while ago, uh, wasn't in in talking about the Mandalorian, but just like if they ever did a like a live action action thing with Ahsoka, I actually named Rosario Dawson as the person that I would say, hey, if it's like an older Ahsoka, this would be a fantastic actress to play her. So I was kind of like really psyched when I saw the headline. I was like, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's kind of awesome. like the stars have aligned on this one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and no, I th- for sure. I think not only is she the right one to play her, but it, I think it just it was some really good news coming out of a really rough week and i was really glad to see it so as, as many people probably were that this is now becoming reality um i'll be interested to see what the writer is able to do with uh rosario dawson because she definitely has some serious acting chops and i feel like she was kind of underutilized in the marvel series that were done on netflix oh, um, for sure yeah now now she's moving into uh, yet another you know sort of premium premium sort of produced television show so not not dissimilar from those marvel shows from netflix but but even 
bigger budgets, obviously. And uh, and I really hope that the writers, you know, Dave Filoni especially, do right by her and, and bring her into this universe and, and, and let her have some of the spotlight. Uh, this is this is massive news for another reason as well as because this is the first major animated character to make the jump from animated series into uh, a TV film, uh, I'm sorry, TV or movie. So it's really interesting to see that that Lucas, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that Disney's starting to take this route, uh, particularly Dave Filoni. Obviously, Ahsoka Tano is one of his beloved characters because uh, she came from his animated series shows, uh, like mm-hmm. um, like Clone Wars, obviously. She was in all of that. And then she's also made an appearance in Rebels. So it's uh, really exciting to see that uh, they're finally starting to make this jump. Yeah, no, it's actually really good that we're seeing that for a couple of reasons because it opens up the floodgate for a bunch of other characters that hopefully we'll see down the line. Because the, the, now that we have the precedence, there's opens up the table for what Thrawn. And, yes, uh, like please, Kanan. please, and Thrawn. There's, like a, there's a bunch of characters that can actually come into live action now. Yeah, Ezra, Kanan, uh, obviously Thrawn yeah. is a massive one. Uh, a lot of great animated series characters, even even like Rex. You know, some of the old clones. It'd be fun to see. Uh, because obviously they persisted for some time in the Star Wars universe uh, that the movies never really touched on, but but the shows certainly did, and it was a lot of fun to kind of watch them in their element. And and it's cool to see now. So this is Ahsoka Tano. The last time she would have been seen is the Rebels timeline. So early yep. early original trilogy, uh, pre original trilogy, and then now it's going to time jump to uh, what happens after the original trilogy because the first season of Mando was um, six years after the fall of the Empire, after the Battle of Endor. And uh, it was an um, interesting place in the timeline. So it'll be cool to see how they slot her in, in this timeline now that uh, Jedi are kind of, you know, presumably this would be the time when they'd be trying to make a comeback. You know, this would this would have been the time when Luke Skywalker was training Princess Leia, according to the newest film. And there was a lot going on around the Jedi in that time. So Ahsoka Tano should absolutely be a part of that story and and i, I cannot wait to see her in no it. what do you That's mean not true what what do you mean you 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 haven't watched all the clone wars have you no i have not yeah she's not a jedi anymore oh because uh her master was uh anakin nope she actually renounced the order she stepped away from it oh man oh man so it's gonna make it even more dramatic when she shows up in this then <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting to see if she goes the same way that like Asajj Ventress went where she became a bounty hunter um, I'm interested to see kind of what Ahsoka does uh, because... is she a talkative like character or was she always more of the silent type oh she what Pano she doesn't yeah. shut the fuck up <laughs> okay I'm just balancing <laughs> in, in, I don't know shit the, about in the best her. way in the best way yeah like, I just didn't know if balance because you know, obviously the whole point of Mando is you always need someone with him for the purposes of being the talky character, because he's always the silent one. I don't see her becoming a main character, though. I think that she'll probably just be a cameo that keeps showing up. Yeah, kind of like the other side characters that happen. What if, the yeah. first what if she starts off as a bounty? That would be extremely cool. Um, I can't think of any reason why anyone would be hunting her, but yeah, I could see it being possible for sure. I, I could see it more so that um, he uh, finds her when looking for the home for the child. Oh yeah, because she could be. Uh, she could just be in isolation somewhere. She could be socially isolating. <laughs> um, actually, at this point in the series, well, let's see. Fall of the Empire has happened. Technically, she goes back to 
uh, Lothal at one point too. So I don't know. There, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Oh no! Wait, she's social distancing. That's what she's doing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want the rack. She doesn't want the rack cool play. <laughs> she's not. She's not trying to spread this shit over there. Uh, so she's not yeah. trying to spread it to Yoda's tribe. Or to Baby Yoda's <laughs> tribe. And, uh, boy, yeah, I can't wait to see where they take that in, in Mando Series 2, man. I cannot wait to finally learn something about uh, about Yoda and his, his tribe or Baby Yoda and his tribe. It, it's going to be absolutely awesome uh, to hopefully learn even just a couple little tidbits that are now canon about, about the background there. Because that's, like, one of the biggest mystery boxes in the Star Wars universe. And for them to finally be on track to give us something, something tangible that we can walk away from uh, with it would be amazing. So I hope that's the case they take. Anyway, yeah. um, so that's the Mando news. Any, anything else to add there, guys? Not really. The news is, was just a small snippet that I think everyone kind of looks at and goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, snippet. That's a funny word to use in this situation. Oh. Oh, no, just it's the nickname that uh, Anakin calls Ahsoka Snips. Oh, oh. really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Makes perfect sense to me, only it doesn't. Unless I'm misremembering. Which <laughs> we'll just is run with entirely it. Entirely possible. It snips, it snips no, I'm, I'm quite. I'm quite certain it is. <laughs> oh my god! I can tell you, you know, spoiler warning here: things don't turn out too good for Anakin. I mean, I can, I can probably throw that out there for you now. I would say things turn point. out pretty well because at the end of the the you know with the the sixth movie, I forget the number. Uh, yeah. At the end of you know Return of the Jedi as far as I'm aware, in the latest edition, he has a space ghost, which means he has a good ending. Which is yeah. shit, by the way, but that's <laughs> beside the point. I mean, I guess you have to kind of earn it, and I think that if you spend the last, what, like 20-some-odd years in absolute excruciating pain in a metal suit, <laughs> you kind of earn it if you uh, take down the... Uh, the emperor yeah after you enslaved everyone yeah you're right you're right that all just balances out <laughs> yeah sure that seems legit i i think oh go ahead that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna go on a murder spree kill a bunch of people enslave a bunch of people and then i'm just gonna give bread to some poor dude and then just be like you know what i'm sorry and i'm gonna get myself a space ghost i think it's fair <laughs> yeah. so, the way you're gonna do that is by giving bread to a poor dude <laughs> yeah It'll balance out. Yeah, I think uh, it was also confirmed in the Star Wars novel that uh, regarding Episode Nine, that Han Solo was supposed to be a Force ghost as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not even Wait, kidding. What? From Episode Nine, where Ugh. he shows up to talk to uh, Ben Solo, and we thought it was just like Ben I, I, Solo I going it was crazy. Just hallucination. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a Force ghost. So apparently, he uh, believed enough uh, in the Force that he became a Force ghost. Well, he did eventually believe in it. Oh yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, no, he believed in it, but yeah. So, but there was no, but know. there was no sequence of Luke Skywalker training Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of stuff that in the new series where it just it feels disjointed because it is. Yeah, actually, speaking of the new series, that's a topic maybe we can do in the future where we can get back together and kind of it'll be easier to to converse again. But a future topic I want to do is actually the top five best ideas. 
introduced into yeah. the new Star Wars sequel trilogy, and then also the five worst ideas. I think it'd be fun to kind of riff on that a little bit uh, and do a special topic episode about it. Uh, in the future, hopefully, we'll get to do that. Maybe we'll do that to celebrate uh, getting back together after all this mess is over, and uh, we can finally be in the same room again together, um, yeah, uh, holding fun. hands and dancing merrily like we do. Seizing <laughs> each other without words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share bodily fluids freely. Yes, Ugh. of course, just like always, just like the normal thing we do. <laughs> All right, I'm out. This is now a podcast of two. He swears you. <laughs> oh my god. Um so yeah guys, that's it for for the uh for the big news regarding Star Wars. Sorry, I'm kind of bubbling here, but it's it's weird not having him in the room. I'm used to that part yeah. there, but we're we'll get through this. We'll get through this. Next topic, it PS5. Is weird. Yeah, it is it weird, is really isn't it? Weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting through it, though. We're doing a pretty good job, I think, anyway. So the PS5 announcement was this week. Uh, it turned out to be just uh, just something you could watch online. Uh, almost more like a tech demo than anything. Uh, a lot of talk about the specs of the device. Uh, the press release was all about the specs. Uh, I suspect it's because it was a press release that was originally meant for GDC, which was canceled. Uh, so that would have been more of a techie sort of press release to begin with and a more techie right. event. So uh, eventually that did not happen, though. And uh, unfortunately, now now uh, we had a very uh, sort of meaningless <laughs> big announcement for the PS5. Uh, so a couple things that came out of that. High level, uh, they're saying it's going to be out this year. It's going to be out in time for the holidays. So this should be sometime between October <laughs> and December. Maybe. Yeah, right. So we'll see how that goes. And then uh, and one of the games, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, either got pushed to PS5 or it's or it's getting its own version on PS5. I couldn't determine which it was from what I read, but uh, but I suspect it got pushed to PS5. Is that what you guys are getting that's, too? That's my assumption, but I don't know anything. Yeah, it's, I a, would just ass- it's a gorgeous game yeah. already, so it would make sense. It sounds like it, it's going to be like a really fun. It looks sorry. It looks and sounds like it's going to be a very fun game from what has come out about it, and I think that they're looking for a strong flagship uh, couple of games for the PS5 release. So that's probably why it got pushed. Yeah, I think they usually bet on something like an Uncharted. Um, I know we'll probably see a PS5 version of Last of Us Two come out right away as yeah. well, like an upresed version of that, uh, and uh, and of course whatever else you know your your regulars, your Call of Duties, your Assassin's Creeds, all that good stuff. I'm sure we'll have a nice updated version on the PS5 most- as well. I think what's most interesting to me is I just was recently, you know, the other day when it was announced, they announced all the Xbox specs. This might be the first time that the Xbox has better uh, specs than the PlayStation. Yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because we've got, I know that the GPU, I know the CPU for the Xbox is four point something, 16 cores. This is, I think, the more or less same thing. And then it's got its GPU can pull out uh, 12 teraflops instead of just 10.2. So yeah. it's actually a decent distance. And it's funny you mentioned is the, it, the, is it the flops. Though? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know if I'd say it's significant. I. It's hard to tell. It, honestly, what's more important is how people utilize it and how easy it is yeah. to program for. But if you're going to pay the same cost for two different things, you might as well. If it's going to be the same price, or yeah. what you really have to look for is the price. If suddenly the PlayStation 5 comes out and is more expensive, you need to look at them and go, what the fuck? It's also going to come down to the library, to be honest. That's really what it comes down to for me when it comes to buying these systems. Agreed. Like, what games can I play? Who's going to have this system? Who am I going to play with? That's why the answer is almost always, nah, I'm just going to stick with the PC. <laughs> 
you're absolutely right. Considering Bloodborne is out for PlayStation now, now uh, I'll be probably playing that. And then oh, Horizon been out there for a while. It's fun. Oh yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn got announced for PC. So thank God for that. That's awesome. Oh nice. I already own it, but yeah, that's nice. That'll be a great game for modding too. I can't wait to see what the community does around that. Okay, I would maybe rebuy it if there's a good modding community for it. That's a beloved game for PlayStation, so I, I would imagine oh, yeah. that there's going to be a, a pretty big modding community around it. Well, the thing is, like, it needs to be accessible for modders, though. Like, it, it, just coming out on PC does not necessarily guarantee it's going to have mods. True. I think it's unfortunate that the internal storage... It's nice that they went SSD finally, and it's 825 gigs, but they really need to push that terabyte. A minimum. Yeah, and, yeah it feels that and that's what we talked about before, uh, which is the games have become so huge, and, and we used Red Dead Redemption 2 as an example before, where it was what, like, um, uh, how big was that? It was, at the time, it was like, uh, was it like 200 gigabytes or something like that? Not a clue. It was it was, it was, it was a massive remember. install file, though, and any updates just pushed it re- up really, really high. So in, in an all-digital world that the developers and the publishers would like us moving into where where you know there's less overhead for the physical media and 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 all that good stuff i think that that's the world they want to see but then the system definitely has to be at a terabyte or more right off the bat i mean for the basic model for for the uh, for the upscale like model maybe two terabyte they were kind and they added and this is nice uh an, an expansion nvme ssd slot so you can expand it with your own nvme of whatever size you want. And NVMe is fast storage. So, you know what? I can live with that. For the so, yeah, it's more solid state storage. And what's what? how big do those run now? Uh, they're basically, at, you can get a terabyte for about 100 bucks. So that's what you want to start with then. If, you, if, you're, if you're going in on PS5, it might be worth it just to also go in on the NVMe uh, solid state drive as well for an extra terabyte right off the bat. Because then you're, then you're coming in close to two terabytes right off the bat. That makes oh, perfect yeah. sense. And then, uh, so the, the teraflops was the thing that they talked a bit about in, in in the press conference as well, because what they're really trying to show is one of the big steps in the next generation console isn't necessarily going to be just just graphics and resolution, which those things are also getting you know minor improvements as well. But it's actually going to be more related to how quick the games you know download, how quick they upload, how quick the game starts, how quick it, the game loads from area to area. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. there's been some tricks that developers have used, uh, in the current console generation. And I'm looking at, you know, God of War and, and Jedi Fallen Order where it, it, there are no loading screens. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of instances that happen, like either a ship jumping in the hyperspace, uh, or you have like uh, crawling, crawling through very tight corridors very slowly to get things to load on the other side a little bit faster. So they've already found well, ways to kind of get around from, it. What's that? Just going from hard drive to SSD will be a huge difference anyone who's gone from console to pc with ssd knows that once you go ssd you don't go back there is no that's back. right that's <laughs> right that's right yeah. yep similar similar to why we're still recording on uh you know at my place we're recording on a gen one uh surface pro because <laughs> it still runs great because it's the solid state drive <laughs> man like it's just honestly it's a, it's a great device for that and uh, so I definitely agree in the solid state. And then as far as the specs go, it uh, looks like they're going to double the CPU power. They're going from uh, 1.6 gigahertz across eight cores to 3.5 across eight cores. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Teraflop-wise, it looks like it's about six to seven times the, the speed of teraflop, which is good news because the idea is your games would be loading much faster. I know one of the origin.
original, original, original tech demos they did for for the heads at Sony Studios was regarding the the load in times for Spider-Man PS4. And uh, they showed an area where, you know, it took them, you know, 30 seconds to load an area, you know, off of a loading screen. And then they put it on the PS5 hardware and it took them like 1.8 seconds. So it, it honestly, yeah. loading times is all SSD. Your graphics yeah. card does play it. a factor, but it's all the SSD. I believe it. I believe it. And uh, it's just good that that's the world that we're moving into because, you know, graphics are already very impressive in many games. And uh, what I would like to see is is those loading times reduced, though, because on original PS4 hardware, it's it's getting rough. It's getting real rough. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite <laughs> thing about PC. I, I know I'm, I'm just in like, oh, jerking off PC, but it's one of those things where, you know, all these features that they're showing off right now, I look at and go, yeah, I had that five to six years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, basically, yeah. And don't get me wrong, the Xbox surpasses even my computer that I have now. I did not buy the latest and greatest. I'm very impressed by the Xbox. As far as I'm aware, it's the equivalent of pretty much close it's it's top it's retail top top uh top specs. Like it's better well, than think, what I bought. Dude, the, the Series X specs look like it's a NASA computer or something. Like that thing's meant to like design space missions or something like that i don't know it looks like it's meant to design space yeah. missions too but uh it's if it's they a, honestly if they offer that for computer. what's what's the average price of a new console when it first comes out eight eight hundred well 400 usually but i think this next round is going to be 500 yeah okay so all i'm saying is if they're offering these two devices at you know the 600 even at like the 600 mark they're a damn good price and in order to get those specs in a PC, you'd be spending somewhere in the realm of, you know, a thousand, thousand to a thousand five hundred, easy. The Xbox, two thousand. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about that, like in the sense, like I don't know if it's a good deal though, because ultimately it's still it's a piece of proprietary hardware. You're stuck doing only those things. So is that really worth it? Uh... You're not wrong. I, I don't know if I agree, to be honest. Like it, it's, I get that it's much better, but saying like, "Hey, you're giving us something we deserve," I don't know. That, uh, to me, that just sounds like, "Yeah, well, fuck you." <laughs> like, do it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It just, it feels like everything up to this point has been overpriced. And if they come to the table and they're like, "Yeah, thousand dollars for these consoles," I'm gonna go tell them to fuck off. Like, seriously, I, I don't see the point in it at that point. You and I have been spoiled our entire lives. I would, without a doubt, call us PC gamers. We have consoles, you more than me, but we are so used to, for the most part, the freedom that computers give people. And so you yeah. and I hate hate the concept of a console. You know, I know so many people that a console is the way they do everything. It's the way they play Netflix. It's the way they play YouTube. It's, it's their fair. life. And... For us, you and I go, that's that's stupid. Those things are so limiting and shitty. Why would you do that? Get this computer and you the world opens up to you so much more. And I think you and I are spoiled in that regard. I think if you're one of those guys who are getting this computer, this because really, consoles aren't consoles the way we used to think of them. They're just proprietary computers with proprietary software and different mm -hmm. architecture. And if you're getting that for your lifespan, I think if you're getting it for that price, that's a pretty damn good price. I, if they give it at that price, I yeah. think you're right. The only downfall is you have to play their games. 
And I think uh, yeah. I think in the future I might be moving into an all PC world with you guys. It just kind of depends on what happens here with with this next round of consoles. Uh, I am currently leaning more toward the Xbox, uh, just based on just based on the um, uh, the level of the hardware and 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 just how future proof it's going to be. And, and I'm looking forward to playing some of the games on that that you can also get on PlayStation. And and the place some of the PlayStation exclusives don't really excite me anymore. Like I, I'm personally not really looking that much forward to. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, Last of Us Two and and uh, and Ghost of Tsushima. I think they look like good games, but maybe not kind of what I want to play in this next gen. Uh, but the other part is the backwards compatibility, and I've sort of held for a long time that Sony really needed to step it up with their backwards compatibility moving into the PS5 hardware, which they fully have the ability to do. And then uh, at this last uh, Mark Cern at this uh, what's his name. Uh, Mark Cerny at this last presentation did not mention explicitly backwards compatibility with PlayStation 1 to 3 games. However, he did mention backwards compatibility with the set of PS4 games. So I think they're being very selective about it. And he mentioned they're looking Mm. at the games on a game-by-game basis. So that really worries me because, uh, dude, I have a huge backlog in my house right now of PS1, PS2, and PS3 games that I would love to play again, and I have no way to do it right now unless I buy an extremely old 60-gig or 20-gig PS3 unit. And and I shouldn't have to do that just to be able to play these games at this point. Like, it really pisses me off uh, that, that they're Personally, really dancing Personally, that's kind of bullshitty. Because, like, like I said, consoles are just glorified computers at this point. And the fact that they're like, oh, well, it's not backwards compatible. The only thing stopping it from being backwards compatible is the OS. And that's yeah. not even that's to me that's bullshit because don't get me wrong I can still play Mass Effect which was designed for Vista and we're at Windows 10 right now yeah. so don't fucking tell me you can't do backwards compatibility it takes a patch Everyone it takes a, it takes a hardware it takes a, a firmware patch. Uh, a software patch. It just takes a patch to be able to get these things working again. So it, it doesn't make sense at this point to say something as simple as like, you know, like a PS1 disc can't possibly be played on something as powerful as a PS5. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So I'm, I'm yeah. genuinely yeah. hoping that they they flesh this out a little bit more and, and give us the backwards compatibility we're seeking, or uh, or I'm going to be firing hard on Sony uh, come PS5 time because uh, I'm just I'm, I'm very displeased with it. I, I don't understand why I have to maintain consoles that are you know 20 plus years old to be able to play some of these games on uh, when well, the consoles sure. don't even work the anymore. What like, I don't they're starting to out crash of curiosity, out. That that picture we've been seeing about the PlayStation Five, I've been seeing the the one awkwardly like v-shaped dip in the middle is that legit i've been kind of just is that actually what it's supposed to look like uh i don't know that i've seen an actual picture of it so far okay so they haven't actually released their their vision i don't think so give me two seconds here let me just look it up real quick because i goddamn well hope that's not the image (laughs) no 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 that's not it dude there's so many there's so many mock-ups online of what oh, it could look God. like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing what I think it'll actually be yet. So they've um, given us specs, but no physicality of what it looks like. No, not really. Um, let me see if this one from this Obviously random website the Xbox is launching first. Yeah, there's. Just, I, I don't think there's an official release yet of what it's supposed to look like. I, I suspect it'll be a really boxy look, similar to what they've had in the past, though. That'd be my guess. Um, I think it's so quite no. clear Xbox is about to win this this generation. Yeah, you know, oh, and more power to them if they do, man. Like, if they're, if they're giving the people what they want and they're giving people what they ask for, then they should win. thing is, though, the Xbox is shaped up to look like it was going to take the, the candy uh, in past generations, and then something happens and they fucking drop the ball. 
Well, for Xbox like, One, it was forcing people to take the fucking Kinect with it. So that was a terrible idea. The Kinect needed to die long before the last-gen consoles came out, and uh, and it was still somehow alive and well by the time uh, Xbox One launched. So uh, the original bundle came packaged with the Kinect, so they forced you to take it. I still love that. Oh, we can't we can't disconnect the Kinect. It's integral to it. It's like, no, it's not. Such bullshit, dude. <laughs> Like what a bullshit that was such, that was such bullshit. Like, <laughs> no, we can't pull it out. It's it's required. It's like it's not required. Don't even try that. It's like that was such a bad call. Dude, and part. two years later, Sony had VR and a PS4 Pro. So it's just like, come on, guys, like quit, <laughs> quit acting like it's this it's this big integral thing. Uh, one See, more. That's th- the other thing. Oh that yeah, go actually, ahead. I think PlayStation has the leg up on uh, Xbox. They actually have a, a VR um, division where Xbox has been very silent about that. That's true. And, like, I mean, that doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but for somebody who's played VR, you'll know it's a big deal. Like, it, VR is certainly still emerging, but when it comes out in its full glory, if, you're, if you've got nothing to show for it, I mean... Well, what's crazy here is that the Oculus bundles have been selling quite well, uh, is my understanding, and, and there's no uh, console that yeah. goes along with those. They're self-contained system yep. so to speak so it's not like someone's buying an xbox or a playstation with those so clearly there's a consumer appetite for it and the crazy thing is about those is for for the premium bundle for that it costs the same as a ps4 pro with psvr so yep. interestingly uh you could go either route with it and yet a lot of people are still buying just the oculus itself so i think there is a consumer appetite well, it's wireless for it. too what's that yeah the Oculus is wireless. Uh, it has yeah. inside-out tracking and stuff like that. So I've a lot used of reasons it. It's great, and it feels good, and I like it. <laughs> so it's it's definitely yeah. a competitor. Man, honestly, I hope they get their shit together for this next generation uh, for, for Microsoft. I, I don't know if they need to partner with, with Facebook and Oculus or what, but they need to get something going. Uh, shit, Tyrone, get it together. <laughs> it's got to yeah. happen, man. It's got to happen. So anyway, that's the, that's the PS5 news. Not nothing, uh, nothing too much to speak of in terms of uh, tr- like full truths. Like we don't know when it's coming out. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know about the backwards compatibility yet. Uh, just a lot of Sony being fairly nebulous, and of course the cancellation uh, of E3 as well is going to push that information even further back. So likely we might not be learning anything really substantive about the PS3 until August September. Like maybe within one to two months before launch of the console itself. Uh, however, I'm sure pre-orders for it will start long before then as they usually do for these big consoles yeah, yeah. so yeah keep an eye out for that once once your local uh local gamestop store opens back up so go and hit them up <laughs> they're not paying us by the way they should be <laughs> so moving on guys we'll get into some of the uh some of the other notes that we have going on here See, let's do some playing and watching, if you don't mind. And I know, Adam, you got Doom to talk about as well, and I would love to hear all about Doom and how awesome uh, that experience has been for you. And then we also have Axeman to talk about, which is kind of a cool little introductory comic uh, that we got from, from this artist over Twitter. He kind of introduced it to us, and then we've, we've taken a read in the last couple weeks, so we'll talk a bit about Axeman. And, then, uh, and also, I've been watching some Mythic Quest. And uh, and I can speak to that a little bit as well. So, I watched the first two episodes of that. Did you? Was it free for you to sign up? Yes. Yeah. So what Apple is offering is basically like a year. 
I think it's a year of. Oh, I see what you're saying. I signed up with me name. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. No, for for Apple users, I think it's actually free to sign up for Apple TV uh, or whatever their Apple Television subscription services for an entire year. So basically, like I have a year subscription now to watch whatever on that, and then after a year, it starts charging you like the twelve ninety nine a month or whatever. But uh, but that's how I started watching it. Was right off the bat on that, and uh, so we can speak. You can to that generally a assume that I will comfortably almost never give money to Apple except for for their iPads, and even then, it's un- it's doubt doubtable because I it's... do not like their vision. Even that it's guilty. Even that it's blood money. No, it's not that it's blood money. I just I don't agree with their vision of technology. Oh, like the so, like the yeah. ecosystem, or yeah, the ecosystem, and I, and I I hate that Microsoft has been doing that too. So I, I'm getting like I'm I'm losing out on like Microsoft. You Microsoft and Android used to be my my go to. Like, well, I don't like their stupid ecosystem, so I'm going to go to Windows. Fuck, they have an ecosystem. It's like shit. I don't even know where to go. Can I? I'm just going to go Linux. I'm just going to go Linux. Apparently. Well, so, what's nice? The Surface Six that I have for work still has um, a USB port, so that's good. <laughs> I don't even care about that. I'm I'm ready to get rid of that for all USB C. That's not even my issue. My issue with Apple is one of two things. They uh, they focus on looks and. They're clearly the way they programmed the latest, I think it was not the latest Air, but the one just before last generation. They programmed it so that instead of turning on the fans louder to stop overheating, they just thermal throttle your GPU and CPU because they don't want it to be noisy. And you're like, dude, I paid a lot of money for this. Give me the fucking power that I paid for. And if you think it's loud and annoying, redesign it to be better <laughs> well it's kind of like so how, it, how they come out with software updates that that throttle down the old devices uh as as the uh, the firmware gets to be more laggy <laughs> so they throttle well yeah they do so it to try yeah back. they do it to try and make it you know oh trying to make it smoother for you or yeah waste less battery and they're like okay i get it but i, I don't agree with that mentality i don't agree with that style make it an option well it's on. the it's yes. the uh it's the mentality of you know we want your device to last longer than two years which a lot of people use apple devices for a very long time you know some more power do to they them. though but well you can also use a samsung device for a long time Right, if you really want to, and they come out and they're typically more powerful. They're benchmarked higher for sure. So yeah. uh, when the yeah. new editions, come average out, lifespan actually, for a computer should be about five years, and then you get a new one. Yeah, my I mean my Samsung tablet uh, is like a Note eight or something. It was called a like Galaxy Note eight or something like that. I've had that thing for phew, so many years. I've, it's probably it's probably like seven or eight years old. <laughs> um, but it's like a 18 inch tablet. It's massive. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang, dude. Like, I, I, I would like to see it. I've never even seen that one. It may, it may not be 18. It might be only 12. I don't know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I think it's 18 though. No, I'm pretty sure it's 18. Yeah, I, I mean, will, um, for, I will... for my purposes, it's bigger in the pictures. <laughs> well, it's like one of the only tablets that has a stylus and stuff. Like oh, that. It's, uh, okay. It's nice. Like it's like it's a nice piece of hardware, and I've had it for so long. And I wish that they came up with another one the same size. But they've sized down tablets. There's no big tablets anymore. It feels like it must be really nice just to have the opportunity whenever you want, just to just to just to unload a little bit and just draw some 18 inch dicks all over that screen. That must <laughs> be really nice. Yeah, it's, it's actually really nice. 
just decompress a little bit. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's why I like the surfaces. Not not for dick drawing, but just in general, they're just great pieces of hardware, and they, they tend to last. And uh, so the surfaces have worked out well for me. But I am an iPhone user, and uh, one of my main holdups is the security. Uh, so Apple devices tend to be more secure on average for a couple reasons. One, because uh, the Apple Apple Store allegedly vets their apps that they post. And then uh, on, on the Android Store, the APKs are not always vetted. So a lot of times there's some malicious, malicious software on there you got to look out for. you got to be careful about. And uh, a lot of them are like the... I don't know about the, uh, phones. I don't know about phones. Uh, I, ha- I haven't done that one. But I, as an IT guy, I, I obviously keep up with the news. Within about a year ago, they did another uh, round of research, and they found that statistically, Apple products, Mac OSs, are more infected. There are more infected Mac OSs than other OSs. Than you know, why, right? Oh, more. There's more Macs now. Well, not even just that, um, but it is. Uh, this is kind of this is going to come off as mean. I do not intend this to be mean. <laughs> um, there are more people who use uh, i like Apple products, and they don't know anything about their Apple products. Yes. So it's very easy to infect them, and the people have no idea what to do about it. Well, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that is like phishing and stuff, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah no, there, 100%. there's a lot of with the Apple, and that's kind of part of the Apple ecosystem. Is they're trying to design a push button have technology tool, yeah. which is nice for people like my mother. But what ends yeah. up happening is people like my mother also are the ones who push button have virus. <laughs> so <laughs> they don't know. Unlike you know, they're not taught one way or another. But I don't want to sit there and shit on them because I can tell you so many people that I know that have Windows. That do the same thing. So I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's so much um, a deficit there. I think it's mostly just there are more Macs now, and because of that, it inherently is happening that there is more of that issue. Statistically speaking, it's more likely. Well, the other thing though is that is because of the way that the Apple is designed, it's closed kernel. There's not a lot you can do to save your product if it gets a virus. That's true. true. Yeah. Like that's kind of sorry. That's I should have I should have led with that part of of it as well because that is more so what I was kind of getting at. Like there's not your capability and your ability to have a comprehensive knowledge of how to fix things is limited by the actual software. Yeah, for sure. Well, here's but, my uh, theory. this is kind of a pointless here's my topic. Theory. We should just move the fuck on. Here's my theory about <laughs> yeah. how to fix it. So you've opened up, you've opened, you're watching a bunch of porn. You've opened up a bunch of windows you probably shouldn't have opened, right? Your internet's crashing. You're having a bad time. You're getting the weird pop-ups that say the FBI is watching you. You're freaking out, right? So here's what I think you do. I think you overload the internet by just opening up every single porn video you can find. Just open everything from there. So if you're already crashing out, just open everything that pops up. Just keep clicking, clicking, clicking. I think the internet collapses before your computer does under the weight of all of, of all of the cam girl advertisements. So it's going to happen. Give the viruses a virus. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and that's how we defeat the coronavirus. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, what did you think of mythic quest? I personally didn't find, haven't found it funny and it drives me up the wall because they talk about game development terribly wrong. And it drives me up the wall. It's uh, it's. I think it's very entertaining so far. I would say it's a very good show. Episodes in, and then once you hit episode five, uh, all of a sudden it became one of the best hours of television I've seen in a long time. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know, 
I don't fully understand yet why the shift. I think I'll get it in the later episodes. But there's there's a major shift that happens in episode five, and uh, and, and it was it was pretty shocking. But it was all of a sudden it became like this really sort of uh, uh, emotional character piece, and 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 it was fucking brilliant. And uh, so it went just from being like a like sort of a a good comedy in in my opinion, and and I, I definitely had a few chuckles out of it, particularly around. Uh, Rob McElhenney, uh, obviously he comes from It's Always Sunday in Philadelphia. He plays Mac on that show. He's the writer and producer and, and one of the main actors on this show. Uh, and uh, and I think he's brilliant. Also, the guy, I can't remember his name offhand. He plays Rickety Cricket in It's Always Sunday in Philadelphia, and he's also a writer on that show. But he plays the role of the, the head producer in this show, in Mythic Quest. And, uh, and he's great. So he's so funny, and he's such an asshole. And uh, it's so fun to see him in that role. So I, I really like the character interactions. I really like seeing the power plays these guys are using against one another, uh, the bosses. So you have like the, 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 the visionary, and then you have the top producer guy, and then you have the money guy. And it's just kind of fun to kind of see him come to blows over different things that happen in the show early on. And then the so head developer. What's that? Two episodes of a comedy show called Mythic Quest. And in two episodes, which is two hours, you know, it's two hours of time. I chuckled once. I didn't laugh. I chuckled. Really? Did you see? Did yeah. you see the the neo Nazi episode? No. I dude, the second episode is about um, the first one was about like the shovel or whatever, and the, yeah, the second shovel. one was about uh, what's his face? I forget the guy from Community. He basically abandons and like puts everything for free on. He basically goes on like a pissed off spurt. Yeah, I didn't yeah. finish the episode. I kind of went, "Yep, not funny." I'm halfway. Th- I'm more than halfway through this episode, and I just went, "Wow, I have this is a second episode that I chuckled once in." I'm like, "This is not no." If yeah, they, yeah. If if I can't laugh every episode of a comedy, I'm not watching a comedy. No, dude, you gotta I, go watch the neo Nazi episode, man. It might be episode three or four, but it gets really freaking funny. Uh, it might be episode four. I think three is. They go to a games convention and uh, they go to a con somewhere and then uh, and then the, maybe it's the fourth one that's the neo Nazi one and it's so funny so I would say keep watching at least make it through episode five so you can see the shift in tone that I'm talking about uh, where it becomes a little bit more than I think it was meant to be all of a sudden and uh, you can definitely see the market shift there uh, but yeah I would I would say definitely at least watch through episode five and then I'm gonna finish it up this week so I'll, I'll, I'll deliver sort of my final verdict on it but uh, but yeah I'm digging it man I'm really digging it I think uh, I think they did a good job on it it's a good it's a good first effort for Apple to kind of put something out like that on their new network it's kind of fun to see and uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see kind of uh, what transpires now yeah. Kind of interesting. Thing. You should check it out, Rob. So uh, find out where Adam. Rob, you shouldn't is. check it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the tiebreaker on this one. I'll check it out when I have time. All um, right. But I'm still I'm still geared up to watch uh, Avenue Five, and I haven't finished that yet. Which one was that? That's the uh, the show with Hugh Laurie as the space captain of a cruise liner that's fully automated oh, and breaks down. Right. I'm supposed to watch that. That sounds so yeah. good. You are where, supposed to watch. That. Where did we determine it was? Was that like Showtime that, that, or HBO? That's a comedy. You're gonna like HBO. Oh, okay. It's a Canadian. Yes. I think it's Canadian though. It's a Canadian production. Avenue Five. Yes, you mentioned that before. I need to watch yeah. that. I totally forgot you're, about it. Seriously, seriously. Um, you're gonna have time this week. Watch it. I and, will. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about it on. Um, I was gonna say. I don't know what we're doing for Pathfinder at this point, but we'll, we we'll are gonna it. be doing an online Roll Twenty Pathfinder Two. 
is that guaranteed or if uh if the things come back positive or not positive are we gonna are we no. gonna hang out we're still gonna yeah. do it this way okay yep wheels are in motion we're gonna be socially responsible yep sounds good let's do it um, um okay cool. so yeah that's uh so that's mythic quest then and then uh what did you what did you think of x-man x-man was kind of fun kind of a nice surprise so this artist kind of got a hold of me uh he goes by ryan little uh, got a hold of me on twitter and uh, so this is a new comic ip and uh it's called x-man and uh it definitely is an interesting ip so i definitely in reading the first couple issues that we got sent uh i was definitely getting sort of like blade runner vibes or like maybe even ghost in the shell vibes when i was reading it but i was definitely having fun with it and and i like the premise of it uh so basically there it, it takes place in a dystopian future there's been a virus that's ravaged humanity and uh what's happened then is as a result of this the government has somehow developed uh, a human weapon called the Axemen, uh, and the Axemen are sort of uh, human slash cyborg, and and they do a lot of the dirty work uh, in terms of trying to control the spread of the virus, uh, but also take down people who've been uh, infected with other versions that they're testing out on human subjects. So it's been a really interesting read so far uh, up through issue two. So I don't know what what's your guys' take on it. So you mentioned, I, I, you know, you gave me the two. I read them. Um, I don't read a lot of comics in my life, uh, but I do. Anymore, you, you mean? Yeah, anymore. You're right, anymore. I used to read a lot more. But now what I tend to spend my life doing is when someone, I'll let the world vet the good stuff, and I'll get the, you know, the trade paperback, the whole complete series of an entire story, and I'll just read that. Um, and that's how I consume my my comics now. The problem is, is I think that leads me with I always see the best of the best, um, and the art here is fantastic. Um, I think there's a few problems where the tone of the art shifts a little too much between two paints, two paints that are trying to show the same tone, and but they are always gorgeous. Every paint is gorgeous. Many of them have great shadowing. They all have their own great feature, and I think that's really cool. Uh, what I could tell you though is is just uh, for for anybody out there who see who's into the dystopian future, Blade Runner esque, maybe even Ghost in the Shell esque kind of comics, I'd highly recommend uh, checking this one out when it drops. It's a very interesting read so far, and I actually dig the action in it. It's uh, it's quite violent at times, which is cool, and uh, and there's some nice uh, sort of I, don't know, I, w- I would say under underpinnings of horror in it as well because the fungus that's that's uh, and virus that's growing and taking over people's bodies uh tends to create some pretty horrific images and uh it's kind of fun to see the x-men stumble upon these scenes and kind of make sense of them and then and then and then eventually have to do violence which is a lot of fun and uh so far so good though i'm, I'm really digging it so i'm actually looking forward to seeing uh if they have like an issue three and four come up uh one thing that i'm interested in seeing more of is is uh, we're, we're we're definitely following a story right off the bat and you get that feeling right away but but i am interested in finding out what more of the big questions are so because my questions right now are simply related to you know where did this virus slash fungus thing come from why is it there why why are they still seemingly testing on people if there's already this virus in play and uh and what's the deal with the x-men like did they volunteer for this were they victims were they like military men like what's the deal and so far there hasn't been uh, a lot of answers, but there also haven't been a lot more questions than that. So I'd be interested in finding out uh, a little bit more of the salacious details about uh, this community of people it's, and how they're operating and why they're operating. It definitely seems like they have a big universe to expand upon and to investigate yeah, totally. because there are small little comments here and there about 
how, um, you know, oh, some people are living their, you know, clearly people are living normal lives. They spend, you know, a decent portion talking in a diner, even though there's this world-ending zombie-making virus. And it, I, I, so there's something there going on where it's like, hey, the virus, the virus is in secret. What's going on here? So there's definitely a bigger thought-out world that you can tell the writers thought about the world. And so there's more to reveal here. Yeah, it's, it, it could it. use maybe an issue of just world building. I could see that. Uh, see, th this is really entertaining listening to your guys' uh, reviews of this because I almost feel like we read two different iterations of the same comic. Because, first off, and I may be totally wrong, I may have to go back and reread it, but from what I recall from my read-through, this is not a one-virus show. This is a multi-virus show. And that's like... there's they, they make references to these different infections that happen at different times. So it seems like it's not just that there's a virus out there, but there is a variety of them. Oh, oh no, I, I got that. It's also because they're, they're still experimenting with them too, right? Like in, in one well, issue, they're, they're still like trying to find homeless people to experiment on. Well, I don't... I don't know if it's even necessarily all that as much as it is that they're trying to find these various cures. But the problem is that since they can't find cures fast enough, that's why these Axemen are out there. They're essentially there to quarantine and demolish anybody who becomes infected with a variety yes. of different viruses. Yes. So like it, the, the cure is no longer these vaccines that we would develop, but the cure is increasingly so in the, as far as the story is concerned, these Axemen are the cure. And uh, the problem is, is that the main character, who's an Axeman, who also appears to have been a doctor, mm -hmm. um, uh, he's saying like, hey, look, they, there was other ways to do, to fight this that we are trying less and less and less to do. Yeah. Kind of like what the... There was the mention... Kind of yeah, there was mention that the Axemen used to be kind of the last resort uh, in fighting this, and then now yeah. they've become kind of the front line. Uh, and made that transition, right? So there, there were some really cool uh, little blurbs about that in it as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it's only two issues, and obviously there's comics. So you don't get a ton of information from the comic outside the exposition. But uh, but yeah, I, I am really digging it so far. Like I'm, I'm genuinely interested in seeing uh, where it goes from here. Uh, I think I'll ask mm -hmm. Ryan when when they plan on uh, getting it published officially, so I can check out more issues of it and uh, and keep following along because I just think it's a really cool story, and I think it's also a story that would really lend itself well to a show. Uh, and, and sort of an investigative show with, with you know, uh, maybe maybe in a more modern setting. And uh, it could be really, really cool. So, yeah, I'm digging so far. Anyway, that's that's Axeman uh, for anybody who's looking for... I'm sorry, Axeman, the Axeman, for anyone who's looking for something to read. And uh, we got some names to shout out here. So written by Ryan Little, art by uh, Brianne Anden, uh, colors by uh, Yuri Pinzon, letters by Nikki Powers, edited by Cody uh, Kalam, uh, cover colors by Walter Pereira, and the covers are unbelievable on this, by the way. And then, uh, mm -hmm. and then the logo is by Chris Sheehan. So, yeah, very, very impressive. I'd recommend checking it out when that does drop and, and, and coming up with your own conclusions based on it. Uh, as you can tell, just based on this discussion, there is a lot to talk about. <laughs> so, just in the course of a yeah. couple issues, we've had a pretty good discussion just <laughs> based on, on the limited content. There's one thing, though, that I would say. Yeah. Um, as far as like you were making comparisons to other media, I think that actually this lends a lot closer to um, Dread, like Judge Dread. Ooh, oh, yeah. this would be a great Dread one. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's, well, that's what I'm saying though. It feels like you're in a like, hospital you... full of virus. <laughs> well, no, I'm not even saying like that, but like even just like the 
Judge Dredd comic series, it feels more in line with that. It, to, yes. me, to me, at least, than it does um, with the, the other topics that kind of mentioned. Yes, it's dystopian. You certainly get like those other vibes that you mentioned, but I think that this is very close in feel and theme to Dredd. Even though the, the subject matter is different, the the feel of it feels like Judge Dredd to me. Yes. Well, I can see, too, that they actually have a Kickstarter going for this as well. So their last uh, upstart just started for, for the next issue, started on the 11th of March. So that is in play right now. So if you want to go check out the comic and kind of get a sense of what it's about and also uh, potentially commit uh, to the Kickstarter to keep this thing going, uh, then certainly that's where you go. So it's kickstarter.com slash project slash uh, let me get the full amount here. Sorry, guys. Should be easier than this. So what I'll do is I'll just link it in the show notes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Problem solved. One click and you're there. So it'll be, it'll be the first line in the show notes. Uh, easy to find so you guys can get to it as well. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm definitely digging it. And, uh, and I highly recommend checking out the Kickstarter, which, again, we will link in the show notes. And I'd highly recommend uh, giving it a read, giving it a whirl. So anyway, guys, so that's it for X-Men. Uh, anything else you guys want to add on that? Nope. Sweet. No, no, that was a, it's 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 worth checking out. I would definitely say that at the very least. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And then uh, yeah, that's kind of all I had outside of um, uh, just the playing and watching. So yeah, now on to you guys for playing and watching. Oh yeah, it says you're playing and watching with just Animal Crossing. Well, that and Persona, <laughs> that and Persona, but I want to do a Persona special topic in the future. So I guess I'll start then. Sure. Um, well. The, you know, we did Animal Crossing, now it's Doom time. I finished Doom Eternal, to be clear. Um, I know you really wanted me, Alex, to talk about how much I love this game and how awesome it was. I, it's not that that easy. I'm actually underwhelmed. Uh-oh. Yeah. What happened, um, dude? What happened? A few things. So, I, I think I can sum up... There's two... There's actually three things... Three examples that I can give that sum up exactly everything added together as to why I'm kind of upset by it. One is, Rob, do you remember at the start of 2016, like you just recently replayed it, and what's the thing he does on the elevator that starts the theme? What do you mean? When, when you know, at the beginning of the game, Samuel Hayden's talking to him at the start of Doom 2016. Oh, yeah. What does he do? He, he destroys the uh, thing that's talking to him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, and even before that, he throws the console the second time, the first time Hayden's talking to him. And yeah. he has this habit, if I can recall correctly, and you recently replayed it, so you can correct me, maybe it's just in my mind, but as he's kind of going through, and there's these like console, these buttons that you use to push to open up doors and shit like that, he just kind of like pounds them. Just, just like a, uh, not like a hard, I'm going to snap everything break, but just like a, I've still got aggression and I even pu- push buttons aggressively. Uh, yeah, actually, that that doesn't pan out as much uh, in the mid to late game. He just ends up pressing things, it's just, which is actually a little bit disappointing to me. Uh, see, and that's... My memory is that he pounds most of the buttons. Well, nah. in Doom Eternal, I don't see him break a single console. And that's kind of annoying. Yeah, he... Even, I was just saying, because even when you're um, trying to shut down the portals and stuff like that in the tower, shut down the tower in the first one... Um, they're like, okay, well, you just need to go through the sequence to shut it down, and your character goes up and you smash the damn thing apart. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, nobody's using this anymore. Fuck you guys. And that's exactly, there's this sequence where you have to destroy this object in front of you. And I'm being vague for those who, for, for A, those who haven't played it, and B, for Rob, but there's a sequence, where classic 
classic, uh, you know, MacGuffin story, which is fine, where, oh, you have to turn on this thing that will destroy a thing. And you sit there with like this, you know, those classic, you know, uh, throttle controls where it's kind of got the two pegs coming out and it just goes up and down, you know, the, it's one of those and it's got a button on it. He goes, you know, he just sits there and spams the button with his thumb. Like he's, you know, like he's a child trying to push. He's like, it doesn't work. And the AI is like, well, you got to go do this. And then you got to go do this. And he goes, okay. So you go do this, you turn on something, you go around, kill a bunch of demons, go, and you take this long journey around, kill a bunch of stuff. And then you come back to this handle. And you rev up the handle to max. That's it. That's all you do. And it does the thing and, and you're done. Oh, that sounds lame. I, I'm so, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. But the Doom guy I know would take it and snap it right off. Would just like throttle to 100. Would send the throttle to, you know, to 8 to 11. <laughs> and just snap yeah. it right off. That's the Doom guy I know. He doesn't do that. There's a lot of these finicky small things that he... And it's weird because it, they, they, they didn't quite mimic it correctly. There's these... You unlock maps, so it's kind of a Castlevania-esque where you're expected to come back around and try new ways of searching through stuff. So you unlock the map so you can look through it. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's a dinky little screen. And he kind of goes up to it and he, like, he lovingly caresses it. He, he takes two fingers and he's like, <laughs> thank you for the map. And then he leaves. And you're like, no, no, he should just take the map, like take the digitizer, like smash it and take the card that's inside and put it into a suit or something. Like Mm -hmm. that's what he should be doing. Nowhere. The the whole game, I feel like he is less hostile, less aggressive, which is not Doom Guy. Yeah, the the Doom Marine is supposed to be like racked with like agony and pain and stuff like that from from being in hell for over a millennia. Yeah. Yeah, Basically, so, like, so the the idea that he's just like some normal character, I think, is very um, disingenuous. To so, so Adam's not into the kinder, that. gentler Doom guy. That's what I'm hearing here. Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of have to agree with him. Though. Like, the, <laughs> the idea of the Doom guy, like all the new lore that they've pumped into the Doom guy, which is not a lot, but what does exist is that you know he's been anguish and despair and stuff like that like he fights the legion he is rage wins. yeah like he he is supposed to be the berserker like literally the ability berserk is in the game yeah um so like i don't know it just seems and, and like when you go berserk it's not like oh i run around faster and do things no you like go up and you punch things apart like it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah punch, punch so... things till they fall to pieces <laughs> yes. yeah pretty much and then yeah, uh that's what, what that's what you do it's funny like the uh the grief burrito podcast and charts like podcast did a crossover a couple months ago and in it they did a sort of a bracket of strongest video game characters and i think doom guy was the number one he beat out kratos and uh, obviously kratos is an absolute rage ball so adam who would you say would win in a fight kratos or kratos. this version of doom guy kratos really i think that de- i think that depends on the yeah, that's kind of hard to say because like the lore of Doom Guy, he's supposed to be like like the Doom Marine. He's supposed to be on like nigh invincible, almost godlike proportions. Kills so is Kratos. Every... <laughs> that's the thing. That's it, right? Kratos is the same way. So it's like I almost almost in my mind, it's not that it's a one or the other. It's that Kratos got old. They sent him to hell, and he came back as the Doom Marine. Like <laughs> the same character. You're, you're actually that's pretty. That's a pretty good analogy. That's like, good. It, it just it feels like it's like that's the the same character. 
So like, I don't know. How do you? How do you? Like, if Ditto fights Ditto, what happens? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they both have creepy fucking eyes. It's as far as yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's one thing is is the the character I think is lost here, and I the rage, the constant just anger, and and I don't fuck the system is is not there, and I think. To me, that was integral. And this also plays out in the music as well. The music isn't as intense. It's not as heavy, yeah. It's not as heavy. I can tell you from Doom 2016, the the beat, I can can hear it in my head always. (laughs) I can't tell you a single soundtrack. Because you're always raging. (laughs) <laughs> honestly dun, dun, dun. like it, it's so yeah. ingrained in your fucking skull i don't i can't think of a single soundtrack from doom eternal i didn't hear it most of the time all i heard was guns man. and monsters sounds like it was That's just a little cool. more of a pedestrian release uh as far as doom goes so which is honestly, disappointing to hear. yeah so that's that's a, that's a little sad yeah so the second one is th- um, mechanicals of the fights. The fights aren't interesting. They made the fight more, the fights, the arena fights more, um, more surgical. I think is the right word. You have to use the right tool at the right time on the right demon, and it's uh. about positioning and being in the right place at the right time. Uh, whereas I felt in 2016, I mean, it's still kind of there. It it was more about momentum and movement. You just don't stop moving. You're supposed to keep moving and kill things as you go through them. You're like a supersonic uh, lawnmower, demon lawnmower in 2016. In this one, I there are two, a lot of times where you're on this arena, and Rob understands what I mean, and anyone who's played it understands that you, they kind of filter you into a battle area, and you fight in this yeah. area, and then you, you're unlocked, and you can move on to the next arena. And I find that they put too many demons on there, perhaps, and what happens is I found myself getting cornered, and I would basically just sit there and kind of, you know, just sit there in a corner like a high school, getting high school bullied, going, oh my god, oh my god, get me out of here, get me out of here. I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a second. I'm the Doom guy. When I get cornered, my answer should be, son of a bitch, they're all around me. Unlucky for them. Hell <laughs> like, yeah. It, yeah. But I don't feel that way. And I felt like I, I, what happens, you end up having this momentum where you're supposed to be moving, but you really can't because there's just, every time you turn a corner, there's a big demon blocking your path. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, I guess I got to go turn back and go where I was. Well, it doesn't keep the momentum forward. So co- the momentum in combat isn't there. It's all about the strategic fighting. And it's just not as, um... don't get me wrong. I had fun with it. I think the mechanics are the best part of it. It's just not the same game. I got a different feeling out of it that I, I personally didn't... It's not what I wanted. I wanted the momentum game. Whereas in this one, I got more of the rock, paper, scissors. They gave me a demon. I chose the right weapon. Simple as that. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how my playthrough of it is going to be, which I'm going to try and get it done for the next uh, podcast. But having a more fresh take on the um, essentially original of this iteration of the Doom series... Uh, and then comparing it to what the new one's like, I- I'm interested to see the discrepancies between the two. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, the third one uh, is... Uh, actually, there's maybe a fourth. But uh, the third one is... I'm mostly upset that there was a silent... This one's short. It was a silent promise made to me that they did not fulfill. So early on in the game, and Rob Rob can attest to this, almost right out of the air, air quotes tutorial zone, 
you jump out, you look to your left, and there's a giant titan demon walking walking through the town, and he's stomping, and the screen shakes, and you look at him, and you're like, oh my god, that's so cool. And then later on, not long after that, you see statues of giant doom guys slaying these giant titans. They're literally giant doom t- mechs. Like, and I mean huge. And like Empire State Building large. And I just kept looking at that going, I'm going to fucking pilot one of those. I better fucking pilot one of those. You never fucking pilot one of those. Ooh, that's bad. Aww. That's bad. Yeah, and it, they keep showing it to you over and over and over again. They they have That's these so disappointing. Yeah, they have these mechs in awesome positions, like gorgeous. You sit there and you you literally stop and you watch this art, this this you know background that's put out there, and it is honestly just truly gorgeous. And but there's just this pr- constant promise that's made to you, and it never happens. Oh, other that's cool not stuff good. does. Yeah, other cool stuff does happen, but I don't feel like they went above and beyond. The next game. There's one thing they did that went above and beyond, but I don't think they got it to the level I wanted it at. It still wasn't far enough. What's so sad? What's was, sad is other action games have managed to find ways to kind of top themselves or elaborate on a great formula. And and you look at God of War as an example, right? A game that's consistently able to kind of reinvent itself uh, in positive ways, particularly the games that star, you know, a, a, a like a later version of Kratos, not necessarily the prequel. Or anything like that, but I mean, they've always done a good job of reinventing that series and kind oh, yeah. of coming up with new moments that that feel as over the top or more over the top than what you experienced before. So it's sad to hear that they couldn't emulate a similar formula uh, for this game. It it felt like they kept to the same level as last game, which is well, that's not the point of a sequel. Um, so the final one is they kind in the first one again they they make a statement. I think is a very clear statement. Fuck the story, fuck, you know, complex bullshit mechanics, fuck these, this world where you're, um, you know, all these new age technologies. No, 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 let's go back to Doom where all you do is run through and kill shit. That's the point. But now, suddenly, you're in a Doom temple, which looks gorgeous, but between every mission, you stop, and you sit there, and you go and unlock things, and you upgrade things, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Go kill demons. Why am I here waiting for this? Why have I stopped? There should be no stopping. I think, you know, a wife, Plebby, and Adam made the best, Amanda made the best comment, which when I finished the game, she looked over and she said to me something around the lines of um, every time she looked over it, because she was sitting there playing Animal Crossing right next to my desk. And every single time she would look over, she would say, oh, you're stopped. Because they had to stop you to teach you of some mechanic, stop you to teach you the weak points of a demon. You would be sitting there listening, listening to story. You'd be in the Doom Temple or the Doom Fortress or something else. Like, and so between the uh, Rob, you mentioned we were talking earlier off uh, off the recording about how falling off the map. I personally don't think there should be falling off the map because what happens is, a you're trying to jump around at high speed. You're not necessarily watching where you're going. And you very quickly fall off the map very often. And what happens is you fall. The game has a moment, like a fraction, you know, a few seconds of stop. You're like, no, this game isn't about stop. Don't stop, can't stop, will never stop. And yet the game constantly asks you to stop. And I think that it it asks you to stop and it asks you to integrate 
on new age game mechanics like unlocks and multiplayers and cosmetics. Like, no, you're not understanding. You built this game as an insult to those mechanics, and yet you brought them back for this game. Yeah. Oh, that's what a shame. Fuck? That's a shame. So ultimately, I had fun playing it. I think the mechanics are fun. But I don't think it is the Doom that I remember. It's not. It's not the Doom 2016, where it's an adrenaline rush, giant jockey, you know, man, uh, power trip that it used to be. I don't sit there rocking out and feel rock in my soul. I just felt like a guy playing really fast game of rock paper scissors. Mm. Oh, interesting yeah. way to put it. Like I said, I'll be playing through it, so I'll be interested to see kind of how if uh, it matches up but it sounds like it's oh did we lose rob okay sorry sorry about that yeah go ahead go ahead rob cool all right um right right so i guess um i don't know did you have anything else playing and watching adam um not really i've gotten back into wow bit i i mentioned briefly to you rob that uh, my cousin who i have never he's never owned a pc in his life he's never been a pc gamer he just got a computer I gave my, him my old one, and uh, we, he's been sort of, he's played some StarCraft with me, he's played some Laura Croft, um, and he loves Rocket League on it, so much faster frames per second and everything, yeah. so he's playing it on the Switch. And now he's actually started to play and World of Warcraft with me a bit. It's been, uh, I don't think so, I don't think it's going to mm. be his type of game, truthfully, because he's just, every time we're running around, he literally kills everything along the way, and I... I think that's going to dry out for him, and I think he's just going to get bored by it. He's, you know, you've, he, he's a very active guy, and he's, yeah. you know, he's fast-paced, so he loves playing yeah. real-life sports and things like that. I don't think World of Warcraft is going to be his. Uh, I think he's, he was more interested in, he's always seen Wondered. me play it, and he's yeah. always been interested in other people playing it, and he's wanted to always give it a shot. So he's cool. giving it a shot right now. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It is fairly noob friendly. My cousin's pretty good at learning video games. He's not an idiot. Um, he, he plays video games with me all the time. We pretty much every Tuesday hang or every Thursday hang out. But uh, so he's catching on pretty pretty quickly. He's understanding quest chains. He's understanding his mm-hmm. class. He's playing a hunter. So things are going pretty okay. The story. I think the problem, the biggest problem, I think with WoW, and I'm realizing is story because of all the expansions and the changes they've made. Everything is so disjointed. That there is no, no communal story you can follow unless you keep up yeah. with the expansion. That's it. That's uh, all my playing and watching. Then, um, started watching the new season of Alter Carbon. Haven't gotten a lot far yet in that. It's been entertaining watching the new Captain America. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he does I, a good I have job. No at all with it so far. It seems pretty good. Yeah, I've heard um, a lot of good things about the new season. Uh, watch the first episode of the new Castlevania. Also good. Also good. Yeah, that one's slow. I watched that as well. It's slow, but it does a good job. It seems like it's more setting up the characters for the next season. (laughs) But you're right, and I think that's kind of... Which is kind of weird, considering last season is when Dracula died. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, But you're right. Uh, This one feels more so, but it is still entertaining. Other spoiler alert, Dracula always comes back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, I forget her name, but I think her name's Eleanor. Oh my god, oh, do vampire, I have a new crush. Uh, Countess. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
other than that, I mean, as far as watching is concerned, uh, Battlestar is now on Amazon Prime, so I've been watching that again. Uh, oh, seriously? Then... It's on it's on Prime right now? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's on Prime oh, right now. Oh, dude, I gotta see it again. Um, and also, I've been watching the new Clone Wars series, uh, which has been, the, the new season of Clone Wars comes out, like, every week, new episode. And, uh, That's cool. it's been, it's been really, really good. Uh, it's been a lot of the, uh, the Bad Batch up until now, which is like the dis- like the dysfunctional clones <laughs> that get into like a Black Ops team. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and the and then the last episode was actually focused around Ahsoka Tano. Um, oh, so go figure, was, huh? So that was actually pretty cool to see. Um, but it's been it's been a good it's been a good series. The Clone Wars in general has just been overall good. If you cut out the fluff, it's even better. Um, and then this new season has been no fluff. All, all kind of like stuff. If you just watch the series, it's it's it's, just, it's good. If you liked the other stuff, you'll like this. Shrug. Sweet. <laughs> um, as far as playing, I went through Doom One, uh, as in the Doom 2016 Doom, um, and that uh, has been a blast. Uh, gearing up for Doom Eternal, which sounds like it's a little bit of a letdown, but hey, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> um, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, out. I've been playing, uh, I tried getting into Divinity 2 again, and that's not happening. Yeah. I no, saw you playing that. <laughs> and couldn't fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> I just, I keep hitting this wall with the game. It feels like it's just like, it just, it just becomes so dry so quickly. And there's not. Huh. Yeah. They're writing And, and also it just amazing. doesn't feel like it develops. Um, it's not, sorry, it's not good at guiding you where you're supposed to go either. Um, it's, it's a lot of like, here's yeah. a quest hub, figure it out, which I get that. And for some people that's amazing and I don't disagree. You're going to enjoy stuff like that a lot of the time, but when you're trying to just kind of get into the, like the meat of a game, having that so early on is super crippling. Um, it feels like you're just like, hurry up and wait. Uh, and, it, and that's not really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But in other news, uh, Stellaris has a new uh, DLC that's come out, which has made the game so much better. Um, the Federation's DLC adds things like a Galactic Senate uh, just formed in one of my games, and they, oh, that's cool. And it's so like a lot of the <laughs> empires, yeah, like a lot of the empires the are all Senate. represented in the Senate. So it's like constant like bidding for power and stuff like that. And uh, there's like a bunch of new things, like origins are all really, really, really cool. So, like, when you create your species, you also create an origin. Sometimes you can start off with a federation already built with you and two other empires, but you don't get your two early colonization targets. Uh, all the way down to, like, one that I'm pretty sure is just for, for like, a challenge, which is called Doomsday. And that is that you have no colonization target near you. And your starting planet will explode, like, 46 years into the game or something. <laughs> So like there's some there's some funny things too like you can also if you're like a rock like species you can also uh, now have it so that you can shoot meteorites at other plants to colonize them uh so like so there's there's some silly shit but there's also like a lot of really good stuff too there's one where you can actually be start off as the vassal of a fallen empire which is really cool um so th- there's a lot of like neat yeah there's a lot of neat things in that's there. really cool um, oh yeah that sounds awesome a good good expansion anyway. Yes, and uh, that's one thing I can always say with Solaris. Every DLC completely reiterates on the game and makes it into something special. 
and uh, and that's been fantastic. And also, they found a really good way of combating Empire Sprawl, which was an issue of the last uh, DLC. So if you guys are Solaris players, uh, give it another go. Sweet. Now's the time to get um, into it. People, people got time. Yep. Other than that, playing a, another game, which is like a modern shooter called Squad. Uh, that's pretty good. It's multiplayer. Uh, pretty much, if you don't like playing Battlefield, uh, this is a great alternative. Quite pretty realistic. Um, and also, a lot you can do in it. Uh, Labor of Love. It's really what that game feels like. Take a look at it. Uh, did I talk about synthetic huh. yet on this? I don't Podcast? think so. I can't remember. Um, no. So wow, I'm like just rattling off games at this point. Uh, well, we, synthetic. We've been home a lot in the last yeah. little while, so. Uh, synthetic is a top-down shooter. Um, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous fucking game, um, and it all comes down to, um, just wow. What do I even say? Like, the whole thing is a run and gun so like what you wanted in your doom game adam but from a top-down perspective and it's and it's fantastic i normally hate top-down games especially <laughs> ones that are shooters because i'm like this is stupid why would i be playing this game um that game you can pick it up and play and you'll die pretty quickly but the whole point of the game is is live die repeat right like you learn as you play and uh you start to to really kind of see the nuances of the game itself so like when you stop moving your gun reticle will slow down so you need to stop moving to get an accurate shot off but if you stop moving for too long you get killed so like there's like a lot of stuff you play with and the game really huh. ramps up to how you're playing so uh i think my favorite top-down shooter still to this day okay is it'll, the it'll, the, you need to look in synthetic man i'll send you i'll send you a video review link okay. and you just check it out and you let me know what you think the guy, the guy who did the review for, um, okay. what was it called, Star Sector, did a review on synthetic. Uh, uh-huh. uh, nice. God, I can't remember. Seth Zinch, I think is his handle. Um, either way, I'll I'll send out a link, um, and uh, he does a fantastic review of the game that went well beyond what I could possibly do. <laughs> um, but absolutely fantastic. If you like a top-down shooter, this is definitely the way to go. Um, I feel like I don't want to be outdone by you. I've forgotten to mention Mechanicus. Oh, yeah. What's a, what's a Mechanicus? So, uh, Mecha- Mechanicus is a Warhammer 40k tactical, turn-based um, kind of shooter tactics. So, think XCOM, but Warhammer simpler. 40k universe. But but not, not, in, a, not in a bad way. Just it's, uh, Yeah, simpler. Just it's... Yeah, it's definitely simpler, uh, and I think the best thing about it is, unlike XCOM, there is no mischance. If you shoot at yeah, something, you do hit it. it. Is the, what's in question? Exactly. It's it's unlike XCOM, whereas XCOM, when you shoot at it, you almost <laughs> never hit it, even if it's ninety nine percent chance. Adam has a bad history with XCOM, so we're just gonna move on. <laughs> no, I don't. I have no PTSD towards that. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my god, don't talk about it. That. Um, I've got a couple games lined up. Uh, Doom is one of them. Borderlands 3 is one of them. Now that it's finally been released after this whole long waiting time for Borderlands 3 to come out, it's finally out. Um, and uh, a new DLC for Total War Three Kingdoms. So, yeah, there's some stuff on my roster. Hell yeah, dude. You get your next couple of weeks just freaking loaded with games. Well, I am I am quite literally trapped in my house right now, so what are you going to do? Hell yeah. <laughs> These are going to be the beefiest playing, playing and watchings. 
He has a binder <laughs> itinerary. He's the most playing and watchings we've ever done. Uh, the, I could I could go on for hours, so I'm just not going to. <laughs> um, but either way, I will talk more <laughs> in depth, maybe on some games if we have some extra time tomorrow, or not tomorrow. I mean next next podcast. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Hell yeah. That's well, it. we'll go ahead and reserve a full hour for playing and watching for next week. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Sure. <laughs> Sounds Probably like it. Best, to be honest. <laughs> it's infinite content from here on out, guys. We'll just keep playing games. Works perfect. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's it for episode 83. We'll go ahead and uh, string this together. It'll be a couple days late, so it'll probably be um, a little bit labor-intensive to kind of string it all together. But we will get a full episode out of it. And, uh, and I'm pretty excited about that because it was definitely a major endeavor to do this. So uh, thank you guys for joining remotely for Rona Geek Fish yep. Podcast episode 83. It was good. And, uh, and I guess we'll talk to everyone next week. See you later. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>